it's like magic sometimes, you know. I mean, I've been in the field for a long time, but a lot of it's just getting really magical. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings, drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview Brian Friedlander, who is an assistive technologies expert. So for those of you not in the know, as I was not before I talked to Brian, assistive technologies is kind of the broader term used to talk about technology that assists people with disabilities or special needs of some kind. And Brian's background is in special education. So Brian really uses assistive technology to assist teachers and school systems uh, with helping their special needs kids in the classroom and how can we better educate these children how can we make sure that they're learning the things that we need them to learn how can we make them feel at home in the classroom and make it so that they have kind of the same or a similar experience to the other children at that school so just really awesome work that brian is doing and it's a really cool thing to learn about because um we're just at such a good time with this right now. There's so many amazing technologies that are out right now and that it will be coming out soon that um, are just really revolutionizing the way that we can help out these kids and help people out. So it's really cool. Um, without further ado, here is assistive technologies expert. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. So why don't we start out with what your background is? Because I, I feel like what you do is such kind of a niche specific, interesting thing. How, like, how do you how do you come about a job like this? Um, it's it's been it's been a long road, Blake. Actually, I, I started out, um, you know, very traditional. I, I became a um, a school psychologist, and then went uh, went and did my PhD in school psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. But um, early on in my career, I was working in a school system in South Jersey, and the director of special services even then knew I had a really big interest in technology. Told me that there was a interesting uh, two day assistive technology uh, conference, and he asked me if I would be interested in going and um, I did and it was like you know it was like one of those it was an epiphany for me really when I went and I saw back then what they were doing with Apple IIEs and switches and access for individuals that would you know had difficulty accessing computers and I, I kind of even knew then that's this is going back 30 years ago that you know if students with students with disabilities um, would be able to access computers, it would really you know, kind of level the playing field for them. And, uh, you know, even then I, I kind of saw the light and just started, you know, going to every user group, conference, special interest group that was doing anything related around these specialized technologies for students with disabilities. And it was kind of interesting at first. It was kind of more like hobbyists getting together. And uh, everywhere we went, it would be the same group of people that would be um, popping up because it really wasn't anything that formalized 30 years ago. It was just kind of you went to conferences, you learned as much as you can um, from the conference and from each other, and then you sort of went out and tried things. And um, you know, a lot has changed in the 30 years, but it's still it's as exciting as when I you know first laid eyes on the field uh, so oh, many I years just, ago. I can't imagine the difference between then and now. 
it's hard it's really hard to believe how far we've come i mean you know i, I used to work um with like you know specialized keyboards a unicorn keyboard that had a ribbon cable with pin dip switches that you had to set and you know just going you know plugging in a usb you know keyboard now i mean we take for granted but years ago it was a lot of setup and it was we used to call it plug and pray you know because a lot of stuff just didn't work or you know you get <laughs> failure you know you get failures and you know you'd have to go start from ground zero but i mean so much has improved and especially now with you know the, the whole area moving to you know kind of you know speech interface uh, technologies it's 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 like magic sometimes you know i mean i've been in the field for a long time but a lot of it's just getting really magical you know when i could speak to alexa and ask her for the weather or a news report or control my environment um it's pretty amazing what you can do today you know i always say if you have enough money and you know, you think it could happen. You probably could make it happen today with today's technology. It's pretty incredible. So that was one of the things I wanted to ask about was like what sorts of technologies would maybe a lot of us already know about or maybe likely even be using just in our own household for just our own personal benefit, but that could be used very well in the special needs arena? Right. So, I mean, just something really simple. I mean, most of us, you know, since we're using tablets and smartphones, we're, we're used to like, you know, word completion or auto completion. But for kids that are dyslexic or have writing disabilities, um, you know, taking that one step forward, you know, forward to um, very sophisticated word prediction tools, um, it's, you know, really a godsend for a lot of kids who still spell very phonetically um, with, you know, with word you know, with the word completion on tablets, if you start spelling phonetically, you'll see the list kind of drops out. Whereas some of these, some of the tools I use are a little bit more sophisticated and have the algorithms built in. So for kids that have, you know, spelling difficulties, these are some tremendous tools. And of course, moving to, you know, using tools like, you know, the Echo um, from Amazon using Alexa, um, you know, this the, the ability to you know control your environment with your your speech um, is really um, I- incredible and if you look on the web um, you'll find or you know posts and articles written by individuals that are physically challenged and how much you know Alexa and you know the echo has meant to them I mean because I mean even in my house I use it now to turn lamps on and things like that but if you're you know if you're physically disabled you know you can set timers and alarms and turn lights on and have motion sensors so if you're in a wheelchair you know when you move in the hallway lights come on and of course everything can be controlled from you know uh, you know an iPhone or an iPad or an Android tablet and so it's pretty pretty amazing you know what a difference that makes in the quality of uh, you know these individuals lives so all these things that we're using is just strictly like luxury convenience it's these these exact same things that are a luxury for us are like straight up life-changing for someone with a disability yeah and the the big difference too is that you know anytime a product becomes kind of a, a consumer product you know the price comes down there's competition whereas before you know if you if you mentioned the word assistive technology it always meant that the the solution was very very expensive you know so you know in the whole area of environmental control things like the alexa are definitely a disruptive technology because individuals could probably do this on their own where they used to hire you know consultant and experts you know in environmental 
control. So, you know, that's the big thing, too, is that it's now affordable for, individu- for individuals to think about, you know, having, you know, tools like the, you know, Amazon Echo in their household to do these very things that I've been, you know, talking about. Yeah, it's so nice. The the supply and demand curve has been skewed Correct. so much yes. because all of a yes. sudden the demand is everyone. Um, so, God, that's exactly. so great. Exactly. Yes, it's uh, it's definitely um, it's really been fantastic for the you know for the I mean for the industry, it's been tough because they've had to adjust to new models too. Where you know, you know, I look back, you know, even ten years ago, there was so many more assistive technology companies uh, in the market, and because of you know, you know, tablets and mobile and these kind of devices, unfortunately, some of the companies have gone by the gone by the wayside, you know. Um, but yeah. I guess it's the nature nature of the beast. Yeah, yeah. So, Brian, let's talk about kind of the range of some of the broader categories of special education conditions and needs that children would have. Right. Um, So, pretty, I mean, pretty much, um, I do a lot of consulting to school districts in New Jersey um, where, you know, uh, the disabilities might be everything from having cognitive disabilities to students that may be on the um, autistic spectrum um, to a lot of kids with uh, dyslexia, learning disabilities. Um, so I, I really kind of, um, you know, work with kids across a wide range of, um, uh, you know, abilities and, and disabilities, which is always uh, exciting for me because each student is unique. And what I'm trying to do is kind of match their, their strengths, their weaknesses with some of the technologies that are available so that, um, you know, I could I could help them kind of reach their maximum potential in, you know, in the, you know, in the classrooms and at home um, to do homework, um, you know, so I, you know, deal with a lot, most of what I'm de- dealing with is work with a lot of kids who also have difficulty with handwriting. So, of course, keyboarding and things of that sort are going to be important. Kids with reading disabilities, writing disabilities, spelling disabilities, math disabilities, um, as well as kids who have what we call executive function disorder, um, who have difficulty with, or, you know, organizing and planning and which sometimes carries over into writing an essay, you know, and if you if you have kids who have, let's say, attention deficit disorder and have executive function disorder, and then you're asking them to, you know, to do writing and organize ideas, and they also have difficulty with handwriting, it's, it's challenging for them and very frustrating. So kind of look for solutions that kind of empower them to so that they can they can show uh, you know their parents, their teachers, what they're capable um, of doing, and also lower the frustration, and which is really important. So I kind of kind of look at assistive technology as you know increasing their you know taking what skills they have and sort of magnifying it through the use of the technologies, reducing frustration, which is key, and also allowing them to be independent. Unfortunately, a lot of times students who are in special education classrooms, they become over-dependent on the teacher, their parent, or even a paraprofessional. So a lot of these tools really allow the students to do these tasks on, you know, on their own, which, um, which is a very important facet of learning and you know, really be, you know, becoming a learner. That's so cool. Yeah, just completely enhancing the strengths that they do have and and trying to a little bit minimize some of the weaknesses, but really bringing their strengths to light. And it sounds like a lot of what you do then is almost play like a matchmaker consultant type of role where you figure out what exactly the the problems are or the difficulties are that the student has and it's like, okay, well, these are these things that I know about that sounds like they would fit really well for you. 
Yeah, you said it perfectly. I am sort of that matchmaker because I don't, you know, I don't design programs, but, um, you know, through my experience, I, you know, I've used, I mean, hundreds of different software applications. And so I'm, you know, looking to put that, you know, the, the, you know, have that good fit between what the student brings and then what the tools can bring to the learning um, experience. So you, you said that uh, perfectly. So what are some of the kind of like easier things that, that you feel like we can handle nowadays? And then what are some of the more elusive things that are still very difficult problems that that need some more work? So you're saying in terms of... Um, in terms of well, like I mean, what I, the uh, the disability that a child might have, okay. that like, wow, we have okay. a lot of technologies right now that can help for this. And then versus right. like a type of disability that it's like, yeah, okay. that still needs some more stuff. Right. So, I mean, we, you know, I, I think, you know, over the le- at least the last 15 years with the emphasis on, you know, literacy, both reading and writing, you know, a lot of the companies are certainly, um, you know, aware of, you know, the grants and where research is going. So, you know, a lot of the companies have focused on literacy tools, you know, to work with kids who have, you know, learning, you know, disabilities. So, you know, I mean, tools like, you know, on text to speech, um, audio books, really fantastic. Um, some very sophisticated word prediction for those kids that have tremendous difficulty um, with spelling. And of course, you know, using tablets now, it's it's a lot easier, you know, for, you know, I teach students how they can, you know, scan, you know, a worksheet on an iPad or, and then, you know, just be, then they're able to type on top of that. So for kids who are dysgraphic, um, you know, that's, you know, easy, very easy, you know, to do. Um, so I think kids with reading and writing disabilities, there certainly are a number of um, uh, tools that can meet their needs and especially, you know, organizations like Learning Ally and Bookshare can provide students with um, audio books in a digital format so they can access, you know, you know, textbooks or trade books or novels uh, very, you know, for the most part, very easily. Um, those are, you know, exciting developments over the last 15 years. Years ago, if kids had reading disabilities, schools would have to actually physically, you know, scan the book using a USB um, scanner, uh, which was very, you know, it took a lot of time. Um, some of the technologies that are a little more elusive, a little more difficult. I mean, one of the areas um, that we're, you know, looking at for individuals with motor disabilities, um, still, in, I mean, I say relatively expensive technology is, you know, using eye gaze technology. And so, um, where you know a lot of us in the field are beginning to look at that as a means for students who may be you know kind of you know very physically challenged, but if they can control their eyes, they can basically control um, a, you know a, a computer. Um, it's a it's a more expensive technology. It's one that you know uh, you know a lot of in- individuals may not be familiar with, but it, it could definitely open up the door for individuals who we don't even know what the capabilities are because basically they're kind of locked into bodies that unfortunately, you know, um, don't work uh, very well. Um, So it's kind of exciting to see what opportunities, you know, lie ahead of us using technologies that could open the door and the potential for individuals that we had no idea what their, what their, you know, what the possibilities are. Yeah. Wow. You're making me think right now because, because that sounds earlier when I was talking about the supply and demand curve, that sounds like, Mm -hmm. well, that's always going to be a very low demand or whatever. But I'm thinking about like, I don't know if you've seen videos. I'm sure you have (laughs) because it's, it's like right in your wheelhouse, but thinking about like the Microsoft HoloLens that will be coming out, um, or just different types of like VR types of things are going to be a lot more like, yeah, where are your eyes going on this computer screen right now? 
now to give you a more immersive experience, um, like virtual reality related. Obviously, as soon as that starts to happen, then people that want to help out children with special needs can really piggyback on the, those technologies that huge companies have dumped a lot of money into already. A- absolutely. Um, and I think this is kind of step one. As a matter of fact, uh, the, um, this evening, I'm actually having one of my colleagues who works at um, Toby Dynavox. Uh, he's, be, uh, he's coming into my class and he's gonna be, we're going to be demonstrating to uh, my students um, different eye gaze technologies. And what's kind of exciting is that it, it takes literally probably 15 to 20 seconds to kind of, uh, you know, calibrate everything. So it's a pretty fast process. Um, and the amount of information that the software can also, you can glean from the software is pretty incredible in terms of, you know, where a student's looking. You know, I mean, some of the kids we work with, they have, um, you know, difficulties in their field of vision. But, you know, we can readily by looking sort of at a heat map, kind of determine where the student's looking on the screen, you know. So it's pretty amazing how much data we can get. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think, you know, going going forward, I think the future, you know, of VR can be um, provide rich experiences for, for students that, you know, um, you know, are physically challenged or for, I mean, for other kids as well. But certainly for kids that are physically challenged, give them the opportunities to take virtual tours and, you know, and also control their environment with their, with their eyes, which is uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, it's just, it's so awesome. It's so great what you're doing. It's so great what these companies are doing. I mean, if you're a child, like everyone should at least get to experience what being a child is like, you know, and and so much of being a child is being at school and talking with your friends about, you know, what went on that day or the curriculum or this or that. And to completely miss out on all of that is so sad, you know, and um, how awesome that much more than than giving the kids just the um, the whatever the the lesson for the class was that day, like learning the capitals of the states or something like that. You're also now giving them the same experience that the rest of the kids in the class are getting, which is just amazing and and valuable. And I, I don't do augmentative communication um, evaluations, but some of my colleagues who are speech therapists do it. And, of course, you know, I mean, the iPad just open up the opportunity for communication for students um, at, at a reasonable cost because, um, at, you know, at one point those devices were anywhere from six to $10,000. But, you know, with an iPad and, you know, um, related, you know, applications, you know, the cost came down to like seven $800. So now students you know, who didn't have the opportunity to have a communication device now have communication devices that, you know, they're portable, um, relatively lightweight. And um, again, you know, they can share their ideas and communicate with uh, with the world with them. It's so incredible what what having an iPad and an iPhone has done for the cost yes. of things that like that people no longer have to develop hardware and they can just develop it, software like the 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 iPad right. programs were like you know you look up at the stars and it gives you a full description of like everything that you're looking at it's like can you imagine how much the hardware for that would have cost if they had to build the you know like build that it, exactly. and yet it's like $10 right. for that app it which is just insane you know it's unbelievable 
Yeah, I mean, even you know, even when some of these communication apps are three hundred dollars, you know, so you you take a you know you take an iPad for let's just say six hundred, and you have a three hundred dollar app, so it's nine hundred dollars, nine hundred versus six to ten thousand dollars. You know, I mean, it's it's huge. So again, for that amount of money, school districts have been able to put these communication devices into the hands of uh, of students. And yet, the other and the other part, your point's well taken. You know, a lot there were a lot of companies that you know had to build a device with a touch screen or a monitor that don't have to do that anymore. They just have to develop an app. So, of course, the apps are, you know, a much less expensive and which makes it makes the solutions much more readily available for students that need it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing some research on your website before this, and I came across the concept of universal design for learning. Um, talk yes. about that a little bit, because I feel like that's kind of an overarching theme for all of this and like the things that we need to help develop for children. Not And, and actually, like when I was reading about it, it sounds like not just for children with disabilities, but for just for children in general. It's it's a great concept. Right. So, I, you know, the, the Center for Applied Special Technology um, in the uh, uh, Boston area um, has been kind of a think tank for some of the work that we do. And so they, they really look at, you know, how we learn and brain-based kind of learning and then how do we layer the technology over it. So it really has to do with um, a theory that talks about multiple means of representation. So when teachers are teaching, you know, are they, are they um, you know, basically um, delivering instruction using, you know, kind of multi-sensory techniques. So not just talking, but hands-on, uh, are there visuals or, you know, auditory information. So, and again, when you think about the computer and the things that you can do, whether it be simulation, virtual trips, uh, using video, you can begin to see how multiple representation fits, fits that. Then there's also the concept of um, multiple means of expression so that when we look at how teachers kind of evaluate students, what are, some, you know, how are they doing it? What are, what are some of the projects um, other than just paper-based kind of tests that maybe you and I were used to? So we could have kids doing, you know, putting together slide presentations, putting together, you know, doing a podcast, uh, maybe uh, doing something theatrical. So giving kids different ways um, of showing uh, the teacher that you learn the material, but not the standard way, just everything being paper and pen and test based. Um, so that's the second part. Um, and the third part is multiple means of engagement. So when teachers are thinking about the lesson, are they really tapping into the student's you know, motivation and, and interest? Um, and, you know, uh, you know, are they working with kids for, you know, goal setting and uh, having students be able to evaluate their work? So um, it's, you know, that's crucial as as well. That is so cool. And it makes so much sense. Obviously, anyone listening to this would uh, completely be right on with the concept of um, teaching a kid in multiple ways because some of us are, you know, you might remember things really well when someone tells them to you. You might remember things really well when you saw them. You might remember things really well when you did it or, you know, whatever it is. But I, I, what you were just saying made me think of this, this class I took in college. It was my freshman year. It was just a regular old English class. And the teacher right. was so unique and cool in that for our final, and this isn't an English class, mind right. you, which everything should just be writing and reading. Ra right. ra for our final essay, 
he rather than just having us write an essay gave us the option of like write an essay write a song that you want to perform for the class uh write poetry make a movie like do any sort of like expressive thing that is going to get across this thesis idea that would be in your essay as opposed to write, mm-hmm. as opposed to just writing an essay like 90 percent of the kids just wrote an essay anyways because that's what right. they felt comfortable doing but i made a movie with my friends which was my the first movie i ever made i think the only movie i ever made but uh it was just so much more of this enriching, unique, interesting experience. So it, to not only think about, okay, how are we delivering the information to the kids, but to how are we going to check back in with these kids to make sure that they're getting it and allowing the kids multiple different streams to to tell us that they understand what we've told them is fascinating and, and it, just such a phenomenal idea. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's yeah. I mean, that's kind of uh, very open-minded by the faculty member giving you the opportunity to kind of choose something other than the straight, you know, paper, um, you know, or essay that you would write in a class like that. Yeah. So another concept that I saw on your website was that of an assistive technology assessment. So obviously, I right. assume that you help, um, you know, assess the children to determine, you know, what technologies are going to be best for them. And I assume you probably also educate educators on the ability to assist. Uh, I'm sorry, assess their own children. So what are some of the things that you're looking at? How are you going about an assessment with a child? Well, um, you know, typically schools will come to me with questions they have about the student and their learning and how assistive technology can can help them. Um, you know, typically as part of the assessment, I, I get information from the teacher, uh, the parents in terms of their perspective on how their student learns and what they hope to get out of the evaluation. So kind of focus on, you know, the student. Um, so I work with them in, you know, individually looking at their strengths and weaknesses. And again, during the assessment, I'm really doing kind of probes. I'm, I'm looking at, some, you know, their handwriting. I'm looking at their spelling. I'm looking at their typing capabilities. And then what I do during the assessment is I will layer different technologies and we'll, we'll trial things. So if a student you know, has difficulty with spelling. Uh, I usually give them a picture prompt where they have to write a story. Um, and if they're having trouble, I'll say, let's try word prediction. So we will try word prediction and see how that feels. And then we might, you know, I might say, you know, let's try, you know, speech recognition. I mean, it's incredible. Another technology that's come so far, you know, as we, you know, as Google and Apple and Microsoft do all this machine learning is, you know, basically, you know, automatic speech recognition. So things like like, you know, using speech recognition in Google Docs or using Siri for speech recognition. We'll try that for writing. And, um, you know, so those are, you know, some of the things. Then I'll look at, you know, for students that present with reading, you know, disabilities, you know, I'll look at what difference does text-to-speech make, um, you, know, uh, you know, as far as their ability to comprehend material. Um, so it's, again, it's kind of short probes. And then, at, you know, at the end, after I've collected all this data and observed them in the classroom, um, either spoken or gotten information from the teachers and the parents, I'll basically um, put together, um, you know, my recommendations that um, are, you know, have to deal with specific hardware and software. And also a training is a big component. Um, I mean, I, I, I wish I wish I would say things have come a long way, but probably that's the weakest link in the process is after the recommendations, you know, a lot of the school districts go out and they purchase it, but without adequate training, um, a lot of times um, the solutions are just not successful. Um, and it's, you know... I, 
the schools are really well intended, but um, sometimes they just don't have that person that has the expertise or takes ownership um, to do it. So sometimes you need an outside consultant like myself to kind of help, you know, help with the training implementation and, and the follow up when things go awry. Yeah, it's hard. I having interviewed a, um, a band director on the show, it's uh-huh. it's amazing. Even like a band director at a school, how many side jobs he already has to do, you know. And it's like <laughs> people at schools are it, they have to do so. You know, an English teacher has to do so much more than just teach English. You know, for six hours a day or whatever, they have to do right. a thousand other little things. So I, I like you said, I imagine it's very easy for once the technology is purchased. For or there to just to kind of be nobody like heading that up, you know, and making exactly. sure everything goes right. Right. I mean, most most of the schools that I deal with in New Jersey, um, a lot of them don't have, you know, assistive technology specialists, um, you know, on staff. So a lot of times it would fall to the supervisor of technology, who that's not really their bailiwick. You know, um, they they're great at networking and email, and they can requisition the equipment. But then it comes time to how do you really use it in the context of the classroom? You know, with ideas, you know, and then working with working with the teachers to so that they begin to change sometimes the way they're delivering the content as well so that student can take advantage of the technology you know um so that's the other part too is like how do we get teachers to begin to think more digital in terms of providing students who need it you know, with digital you know copies whether it be in word or google doc or even a pdf file that then the student can then use you know in that in their their, envi- their digital environment so that they can um, utilize some of the assistive technologies yeah Definitely. So there's obviously a lot of people working on, uh, you know, the the really cool, cutting edge, high technology things that we can be doing. I would have to imagine that there is probably a decent contingent of people also trying to help people in like third world countries and stuff like that. Um, or even, let's say, a very poor school district in the U.S. And aside from donations of money or these great technologies, right. what are some like low-tech options that students can use that maybe just on the teaching side, we're thinking a little bit more now about um, in the absence of technology, how can we help these kids better? Yeah, I think, you know, all, you know, educators, you know, across the United States and globe understand, you know, we, we know so much more about the brain, brain and how it learns. And, and so taking that into account, uh, you know, we're I think t- teachers are crafting better lessons to reach more kids using, you know, using different techniques, even if it's just hands on. And there's nothing there's nothing wrong, um, you know, nothing wrong with that. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting, you know, the, the sort of the pull and push of analog versus you know digital and you, you've probably read um you know in the last couple of months the whole idea of you know taking notes using pen and paper versus taking notes you know using a keyboard and um some of the research on that points to the fact that um you know, you know we as humans and students we we tend to retain better when we write things down so it's it's really interesting and of course you know i'm always looking for interesting um, technologies, which you can find on my uh, on my blog, and I am always amazed at some simple things. Like I've been I've been using I've been using the LiveScribe pen a lot for students that syncs both handwriting and audio. So for kids that have difficulty with listening and taking notes, we can I can work with kids just to write.
right keywords that then um, allows them to basically tap on a piece of paper and listen to what the teacher said at the time they wrote that keyword down so that at the end of the day, they can go back and review um, you know, their notes but don't have to listen to all 45 minutes of the lecture. They can just jump to the spot that they would like, which is pretty um, pretty exciting. And I've been using That's that. That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. I mean, um, it's a great tool. And then even like low-tech tools for taking analog um, – so even for example, I've been I just did a review on my blog uh, about um, these notepads called White Lines Link, and what it is, it's just paper, and um, it comes with an app that you can download for free, and it's it's kind of unique. It's got a gray background. You can get it with dots or graph paper. Um, so the background is gray. The lines are white. So anything you write kind of pop, you know, pops on the page. But with and then at the bottom you have three icons. You have a, a mail, an email icon, an Evernote, and a Dropbox. And what happens is if I want to take my notes and route them to Evernote, which I use a great deal, I just tick off. You know, it just tick off the box at the bottom and then I just take my app out on my iPhone and then it it just archives it uh, to my Evernote account which is fantastic you know so again a way to go between analog and digital uh, very very easily um, and that you know that solution doesn't require anything other than you know this notebook and I, I should say too is that when you um, scan the paper using uh, their app, the lines and the background uh, disappear. So all you get is a high-quality kind of scanned image uh, with no lines and just your text really being highlighted. So I'm always looking for, you know, ways for teachers, students to, you know, share information and, you know, maximize maximize their, you know, their learning. Um, so it's, it's like I said, it's, a, it's, a, such a, it's really an exciting time to be part of this, um, part of this field. What's so cool about a lot of these things is that it, it's also, it can be really fun and cool, you know, like a lot of these, you know, you talk about that, the notepad that you were using or the, the pen, right. uh, you know, like a lot of those things are just fun and cool. And that's such a huge thing, too, is that not only, obviously, there's the psychological component of what what is best for this child in terms of what can they do? Like, what, what can they actually really use? But then there's another piece of just what are they going to want to use? Because having a desire to do something is so much different than being told that you have to do something. Um, mm -hmm. So being able to give uh, something that maybe the kid thinks is fun or cool or can connect to in any way is just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of stuff is really, um, you know, exciting and engaging, which is, you know, which is part of the battle. And I think, too, is, you know, as, you know, we as consumers use more and more of these technologies, it becomes less foreign. So, you know, years ago, I would have to explain what word prediction is. Now, I, I don't have to because it's basically part of, I just call it, I call it word completion. But students who are using tablets are certainly aware of it. It's not, it's not foreign to them. Or even speech recognition. A lot of the, you know, kids I work with, they're using Siri for texting messages, you know. So again, it's just kind of contextualizing it for them and using it, you know, in their schoolwork. But many of them have been introduced to these technologies by just using, you know, iPads and Android tablets and iPhones and things of that sort. So yeah. it is, uh, it is really, it really is very, you know, exciting uh, to, to be part of it. What are some of the more exciting things in the future that you see coming up here in the next like five to 10 years? 
I think we touched upon it. I think we're going to, you know, see, you know, certainly more speech um, enabled technologies. And, you know, I think, you know, everyone's trying to, you know, add that to the sort of the smarts to it to have those digital assistants. So I can see those becoming much, you know, much more powerful, um, you know, in the future. And I think, you know, augmented reality, VR kinds of tools will definitely, um, you know, I think play, I think will play a bigger role in um you know in in our education and also i think in in our professional development you're seeing um you see especially uh, i i you know i'm in the field of uh, you know teacher education and uh, there are you know some universities that have simulators where they can actually simulate a class of students and a teacher going in and then interacting with that sort of avatars for teaching teachers how to do behavior management or teach them how to deliver a lesson or ask questions now it's kind of very complex but you could see going forward where you know you know instead of maybe student teaching in a real classroom you could put student teachers in uh in a room and they can practice you know with avatars you know trying out different things and seeing the results so i think you know as you know going forward i think those are some you know really exciting ways that we can use technology to improve and enhance instruction in the classroom as well that's really cool. Yes. Brian, let's uh, go ahead and wind this thing down with some advice for people. So uh, two things. If you could tell us if people just wanted to volunteer um, some of their time in helping children or people with disabilities, what are some good resources for them? What's some advice that you would give? And then if people wanted to actually consider a full-time job working with, with uh, kids with special needs, what would, uh, what would you recommend for them? Okay. So, um, you know, as far as, you know, if you look com- your communities, uh, you may have an ARC in your community, um, you know, um, the ARC. Uh, you probably could, you know, find, you know, some uh, some groups that uh, you might be able to, you know, donate, you know, uh, your volunteer um, your time. Um, the other part, too, is, you know, hospitals often have uh, children who uh, may be hospitalized uh, due to illness. And believe it or not, there are teachers and schools running inside of hospitals to provide them with instruction while they're um, in that setting. Um, as far as advice for careers, I mean, I think that, um, you know, if, if you're headed in the direction of teaching, certainly um, special education would be uh, certainly an area that you'd want to um, major in. Um, and then, you know, once you've got some experience, you may want to consider a master's degree uh, in special ed with a concentration in uh, in assistive technology, and it let a, you know a lot of a lot of times there's also opportunities for individuals um, to get sort of training on the job uh, by working uh, you know for an organization that provides these services. A lot of times they're looking for individuals that have a good background in special education, but um, and they will provide the training. So you could do it more formally. There's also um, you know you can actually. Uh, get certifications um, online these days in assistive technology. Um, so that's another route. Definitely consider it, um, you know, a field that, you know, where there's going to be tremendous opportunities. And there are, I think, tremendous opportunities um, currently. Please tell us about your website too really quick and, and where that is that people can find it because I had a great time just reading through some of your blog about the different technologies that you're coming across and helping explain to people. Um, so if people great. wanted to do a little bit more research about the interesting tech that's out there right now, they can yeah. check it out. So they, they um, my blog is um, assistive tech. It's, so it's A S. 
S-I-S-T-I-V-E-T-E-K.blogspot.com. I'm also um, on Twitter um, using the handle Assistive Tech. Same thing, A-S-S-I-S-T-I-V-E-T-E-K, so people can uh, reach me uh, that way. And if anyone wants to email me, they can email me at brian at assistive tech, again, T-E-K.com. Be glad to uh, answer uh, any questions uh, that the uh, you know, listeners might have. Cool. All right, man. Like usual, I will put links to all that stuff on the show notes on the half-hour intern page if uh, people are driving or something and didn't have time to write all that down. Um, so, yeah, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for doing this. It's just I, I love having people on the show that are doing something that is helping humanity in some way, and it's just such a great thing that you're doing. So thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really, uh, I really enjoy listening to your podcast as well. So it's kind of fun to uh, listen, and see, you know, see what other people are doing, you know, as far as their, you know, their careers. So it's, uh, it, 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 it's interesting. I think the dialogue and the conversations uh, uh, make for a really interesting uh, subject. Dude, I love it too. I'm so happy you like it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting, or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on this show then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care.